Sonic Talk, Cosmos, the stochastic soft synth, Emis Music, Synth Treasure Trove, Audio GL shoots for crowdfunding, Modular Music gets you nodding, and Moog's introduction to synthesis. Sonic State is brought to you by Yamaha. Check out the Compact Digital Desk 01V96i with onboard VCM effects and a whole bunch more besides. Go to bit.ly slash 01V96I for more information. Hello everybody, welcome to Sonic Talk number 255, recording today live uh, Wednesday the 15th of February, day after Valentine's Day. Hope you all had a good Valentine's Day. I'm Nick Bat, editor of sonicstate.com and I have a few guests with me, but first I just want to say hi to those in the chat room. Uh, you'll see them going past at the moment. Hello there. Uh, good, a good, another good bumper crop there, so thanks to everybody for joining us. We call them our giant turbo brain because... Uh, they can help us with uh, facts that are not immediately to hand in a lot of instances. Uh, so the, the, ma- the, the, the combined um, intellect of all those people in the chat room really uh, are a great help to us. But let's go to my Skype guest. I've got a three-way Skype action today. We've got a new guest. I think I'll maybe start with introducing you. Uh, I haven't got a lower third for you, though, Rob, and I've just suddenly realised, which is uh, mm-hmm. a very amiss of me. So uh, this is Rob Puricelli, who is also known as Failed Muso. Um... How would you describe yourself? Because I haven't even uh, haven't even got that yet. So, uh, but uh, you, are, I would say, failed muso sounds a little bit harsh. Do you, do you know that ever since I started using that moniker, um, I've actually become more and more successful. So I'm, I'm going to keep it. Um, how would I describe myself? Uh, a geek, a muso that is failed because I didn't really make it in the business that I wanted to make it in. So I started writing about it, and that was just the name for the blog, and it has got me uh, into places I would probably have not uh, done before. So Excellent. I'm, I'm a blogger, home musician, and general enthusiast. Uh, in fact, I can hit you with a little bit of uh, Fail Buzo's blog here. Uh, oh, Everything's gone very slow today on my machine. I don't know what's going on there, but um, hopefully that will all be... There we are. This is uh, the failed Muso's blog. There's a nice picture of the... Uh, is that an emulator there? E2, yeah. yeah. emulator E2. Not mine, unfortunately. Oh, that's a shame. Anyway, uh, welcome very much. Uh, failedmuso.com uh, is where you can find it. Uh, Rob is actually uh, often a guest, uh, well, a sort of a quiet guest in the chat room. See him in the chat room and he listens. I know he's been a long-time listener. But we're actually here. He's here to tell us a little bit about uh, a competition he's running uh, with the, uh, the Reason Forum Song Challenge. But we'll perhaps get back to that in a bit. Uh, we'll also say hello to Mr. Rich Hilton, who's over here in Connecticut. How are you doing, Rich? Very well, thank you. Very well. Rich is, of course, a keyboard player, uh, engineer, producer, works with uh, Nile Rogers in his private facility. So uh, welcome, Rich. Uh, Good to have you aboard once again. Um, I'm thinking more and more, every time we use Skype these days, something about I've got all this massive amount of bandwidth in in the new office, but it doesn't seem to be doing me any good because everybody's sort of video seems Mm. to be very uh, up and down. So I'm not sure how to quite tackle that. So we might have to look into and investigate something else, maybe a Google Hangout or something like that or iChat or something. We'll have to to see how that works. But in the meantime, we'll say hello to uh, Mr. Gaz Williams here, uh, songsurgeon.co.uk. Gaz is, of course, uh, co-host on our Sonic Touch uh, iPad and Touch Device music show. Uh, and we seem to be having a very um, strong plaid or check day today. So, Gaz, you've got checks on again. In fact, the last show we did, um, we were both wearing checks. It was like a wardrobe malfunction. <laughs> well, it wasn't. It was just a bit, yes. a bit hard on the, uh, on the camera, on the encoding. Anyway, Gaz, how are you? I think my shirt was a lot nicer than yours, so you didn't mention that well yes no you're probably right <laughs> anyway guys what's that good? you've got something in front of you there that i'm thinking is uh it looks like some sort of a keyboard it is a roland geyer which is a current model of theirs that i enjoy very much and uh, i have this plugged in for a specific purpose to do with one of the items in a bit all will be revealed later anyway gaz uh thank you very much for joining us uh my switching seems to be ever so cumbersome today i'm not quite sure what's going on there it's like my my main computer is running out of steam which seems a little bit unlikely seeing as it manages to do it all the time 
Anyway, but uh, anyway, that's a bit strange. Right, I'm going to start with a video because I have one lined up. So here it comes. I'm not going to play all of that because it's sort of really an exploration of some of the features on this new synth, uh, this Cosmos with an F on it. I'm not quite sure how you're supposed to pronounce that. If I go to the web page, perhaps someone could tell me. Is it just Cosmos F? I don't know. We don't know about that. But anyway, F looks like some kind of function. It's like a scientific function from a calculator or something like that. Uh, I put this in because basically it's by somebody called Sonic Lab, Sonic Dash Lab, which is also what we use uh, as our sort of brand for reviewing synthesizers. So I felt it had to be. And it's, it's an interesting um, synthesizer that's under development. Uh, it's written in uh, C++, C++ I believe. And uh, it's available, well, now. I haven't actually got around to downloading it. Um, and it just kind of looks like an, an interesting take on, as far as I can tell, there's lots of feedback loops and um, you can sort of very, very micro-tweak lots and lots of uh, aspects to the sound. Um, if I read from my um, from my notes here, uh, it refer, apparently Cosmos refers to, it's a, st stochastic, pro a, st a stochastic synthesizer. A stochastic process is one whose behaviour is non-deterministic in that a system's subsequent state is determined by both the process's predictable actions and by a random element. So sort of, there's obviously something clearly quite philosophical going on there. Rob. You get the you can go first because you're you're the new guest. I feel like perhaps it's um it's a bit harsh, but I'm well. Let's chuck you in at the deep end. Have you are you familiar with this? I mean, is this the sort of thing that kind of you like to get into? It's, it looks like quite micro tweak territory. Yeah, I, I I saw the videos first. I've seen of it when you when you sent me the link earlier, and there's a, there's a series of videos. I played the first one and just had to stop it after about thirty seconds because it was really really annoying, really <laughs> annoying. I thought it just didn't sound musical or didn't sound like it could be musical at all. Then you, then I played uh, the one that you just played, and I, oh, actually I can see where this might go. Uh, I'm not a massive plugins person. I'm a Reason person, so obviously I don't do plugins. Um, <laughs> but I can see this being really useful in sound design, uh, possibly um, creating stuff and sampling it and then doing doing whatever you want with it. But yeah, it's different. It's nice. I don't know whether it's just doing something. Uh, a slightly different way to what it's been done before, but um, yeah, very technical. Uh, lots of big words with ends in IC and stuff like that. Gaz, what do you think about this uh, stochastic synthesizer? Then does it does it float mm. your boat? I mean, it looks it, it looks fun. I like that big wheel thing that sort of modulates everything. Modulates everything. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it. You know, it's the sort of thing that looks like you'd have to spend a lot of time with to really, you know, get around it and get the most out of it because it's. Oh, it's quite a unique interface, I suppose. <laughs> You're telling me. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I know that another thing that we're planning on talking about as well has got a similar, well, different interface, but a similar sort of dif difficult interface, if, if you will. Uh, I mean, it, you know, it's quite a nerdy kind of space, isn't it? You know, they haven't tried to sort of make it look all really like equipment at all. It's very, oh, it looks almost like a Max patch or something. You know, it's all pretty crude. Uh, which is fine. Um, but I wonder, like, with, with Rob's comment uh, about the first video, you know, you can make a whole heap of kind of noise with it. Mm. Um, but mm, I'm interested in 90 it. 90 euros. So, 90 euros. I mean, uh, I think I should yeah, check it out. I'd yeah, like, to, like to download it and check cool. it out. I want to know a bit yeah. more about how it, uh, how you uh, do all of the kind of, you know, interfacing with it, how it's playable it is, or whether it's just mm. a static thing that you feed sounds into, what have you. I know, Rich, I'm guessing, you know, um, perhaps you... We don't really get time to play around with things that are intrinsically difficult to get into straight away. I mean, if you're working, you kind of don't really have all that much time to do to do this kind of thing these days, do you? Uh, I don't often, but sometimes, like when Medicine first came out, and I'm not comparing this thing to Medicine in any realistic way, but it, it it's similar in that it presents you with an interface that's almost entirely unfamiliar, 
it, the interface does sort of beg to be messed with on some level. I never really thought of working within that circular paradigm that this thing seems to operate in in all of its videos. So I wonder if there's any other way that it works. There was, you know, so it was interesting to me. It did make rather a crude sounding racket at the beginning, as I believe Rob pointed out. Um, it never made anything that sounded like the kind, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like an analog signal path. It doesn't sound like an analog signal path. It, it almost has the sense of you're grabbing controls to see what they'll do. Um, which reminds me on some level of like the VZ Casio sense. You just kind of turn something to see what happened. And if it was cool, you left it there. And if it wasn't, you brought it back. And, uh, and so, you know, and as Gaz says, we're about to cover another one of these um, in the show, mm. which shares that sort of characteristic. And it also also ties into yet a third thread that's coming in the show, because all of that training you've had about signal path and control and, you know, uh, audio going, you know, left to right and control going south to north and, you know, your whole analog signal flow diagrams and all that studying you've done ever since you first saw an ARP 2600. Well, forget about it, because these things have nothing to do with any of that. Hmm. It's a, a new paradigm, I think it's fair to say, isn't it? I guess. And and I'm interested that people are exploring these things and developing mm. them in these ways that aren't tied to the original design ideas of the analog circuits that brought us to the virtual synth world that we live in today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anyway, uh, well, that was the uh, that's Cosmos F, uh, Cosmos Function, I'm thinking it must be called, Cosmos F, uh, Sonic Labs software. Um, I think you can get it for it's 80 euros, so it's not an immense amount of money to, uh, to spend on a download, but um, I think mm -hmm. it might be worth checking out just in terms of just getting you somewhere slightly different, because it certainly does look very, very different to me. Right, um, let's see, what was next on our... our um, Ah, yeah, so this was one of those classic, uh, a nice synthesizer tour thing. I'll, I think I'll play this now. Okay, behind closed doors, two, volume two. We have Pete Cannon waiting in the car, thinking that he's going digging, but he's not. We've taken him somewhere totally different. Pete Cannon. Pete. What's up? Uh... We lied to you. What are you lying to me about? We're not going digging. Where she is? Where is she is? We'll take you somewhere else. Where are we going? You're not allowed to see. Yeah, this is a bit f***ing <laughs> homo poor isn't it? <laughs> I'll fast forward it to a few extra bits just because it's, uh, it's such a thrilling... Oh, it smells musty in here. What's going on? Now, Pete, don't take the blindfold off. Alright. But, Pete, this is Andy, and Andy, this is Pete. Andy, what's up? He's sitting over there, but he can't shake your hand at the moment. Hi, Andy. Hi. Okay, so, um, Andy, do you want to explain why Pete is not at a record shop? No, you're definitely not at a record shop. Uh, you're probably in the middle of the largest collection of synths in the UK. Oh, mate. Ooh! And there we have it. That is, in fact, uh, Emis Studio, uh, Emis Music, which is in Bristol, which I've been meaning to get to for a long time, just to sort of go and check mm. it out myself. Have been unable to do so, but that was uh, uh, Pete Cannon, who I believe is a sort of remixer, uh, new beats producer, who's obviously kind of not hasn't got access to a lot of analog synthesizers uh, behind closed doors as a DVD magazine took him out there and filmed it and it was a great little uh, little uh, video in fact there's a wonderful piece there when uh, Andy Emis who's the guy who runs the whole uh, shebang is sitting there he Pretty looks hard. like a sort of evil villain with his kind of dog like sort <laughs> of uh, uh, like a Bond villain but uh, I really enjoy uh, Rich sorry Rob have you <laughs> Gaz even mm. have you ever been there because you're based in Bristol yes. I've been there. I've been there. Uh, Andy Horrell, his name Andy is. Andy Horrell. Um, yeah, and uh, he's got a music shop in Bristol that's called Emis, and Emis is built into an old, it's an old school, it is. And then upstairs is a bit disclosed to the public, and that is the place that's featured in the video, where he's got this absolutely gigantic collection of synthesizers. All sorts of things go up there. 
and um, he's a little bit apprehensive to show it to people because he's got his own personal studio in there as well. Um, but he uh, he's like the doper, main doper guy, I think, as well in the UK. He, he, he carries a lot of doper stock there. That's the right, shop. he certainly is. Uh, and uh, he's got, um, I mean, it, there is so many interesting little bits and bobs up there. Uh, I mean, some of which are featured in the video. Um like he's got like is it an MS? He's got like a learning synth, a bit like um, ah yes, the uh, the it's the MS twenty, but the educational <laughs> side. It's a big flat panel, <laughs> yeah, which is great. It's really nice. Um, but he's got all sorts of things in there. I mean, and it's just crammed full of kit in there, and it's uh, you know, and he's he's a, he's quite an he's quite an odd fellow, is Andy. Um, he he kind of runs a synthesizer club. And uh, if you listen to, I mean, you can follow links from the EMIS website to, to listen to what the synthesizer club kind of get up to. But it's really quite quaint. They kind of get in, they, they do a lot of very kind of old fashioned sort of synthesizer music, but, uh, you know, like, like the old kind of um, switched on Bach kind of things, but also just, um, I mean, he's really kind of keeping a torch alight for that. Well, he's old. he's been there for as long as I can remember. When I first got into synthesizers, uh, I spent. Uh, well, I I always heard about this guy. I said, oh yeah, you've got to go and check out Amos's place. It's you know he's been there, and I've yeah. been doing this for you know a number of years. Uh, I, I I don't know how legendary it is. I mean, Rob, have you have you heard of this guy? I mean, is is there is, or is is it new to you? It was the name. It wasn't it uh, as aware of it as I am now? And I watched that video, and it was it was proper gear porn. Isn't it? It's just fantastic. I would I'd pass out if I was in that place. I saw a Fairlight keyboard in the corner, and that was it. Uh, I just want to be there just because of that. And he's also got I noticed uh, a Thunder Child, uh, one of Jeff Wayne's, and there's only apparently two in existence, which that was pretty cool. Sile, um, signed but, it was even, yeah. <laughs> oh, even even better. But the thing that got me, uh, and I mentioned to you, to you before uh, before the show, um, I know the guy. It seems like a really nice guy, but he didn't really seem to be the sort of guy that would really appreciate it the way maybe a geek like me would. And he came across a, a VCS three and said, "Is this the Pink Floyd synth from uh, Dark? Uh, no, the back backside of the sun or something?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. But oh, what a place! But yeah, um, if anybody can get me in there, I will. Um, I'll have your babies. I'll, I'll do anything. Yeah, I mean, you can if you if you contact him uh, at Eunice and just say that you know about it, and you can arrange. And I think he is quite. A, he is a quirky fellow, that's for sure. And if he's in a good mood, he'll he'll show you around. He'll agree. Yeah, it's. Uh, no, um, I'm sure everybody. There, there seems the to be a common all. thread between people who collect synthesizers to such a great degree. Actually, I've noticed that uh, that that about another couple of uh, individuals who've mm. got very large collect. But I imagine part of it's down to security because I mean this stuff is worth a bloody fortune now. I mean the la- the amount of stuff he's got there, it's got to be kind of uh, you know a lot of oh, a yeah. lot of value to it really, and it, it, it's. It's good to see that as well. One thing that I really liked about the video, he just fired up, was it an SH-09, it looked like, and just got some bass going, and it, I'd forgot that thing sounds absolutely brilliant. But uh, great, great fun. Rich, is this the sort of thing that um, that you have? I mean, I know you've talked about um, some guys in LA who've got similarly large collections, but uh, it, it's always impressive when you see it in the flesh, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's fun. It's fun to see all that gear. Anything in there that you somewhere should, anything... in the back of my mind, there is a voice that always says, "So, what do you do with it?" <laughs> he shows it to people. Let's hear it then. No, 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 no. Yeah. Let's hear it now. You know. Yeah. It's like say, it's just like a drummer with an enormous kit. You look at him and you go, "Okay, show me." You know how to play more than two of those at a time. Now he does. He does make music. I mean, if you check out what he does, as I say, there is a definitely old-fashioned flavor to it. Um, but you know, um, and you know, I think they used to meet up there, um, the, like they're a synth, I think what they call a Bristol Synthesizer Club or something. And so you can imagine that must be quite fun, you know, the room filling up with synthesis, all going up to the different synths and having a doodle. Uh, and I would hope it, that he could play me some stuff that would blow me away that was created on all of that stuff. 
Well, Seriously, I, I'm not. I don't say it in a I, I, in a that wish sort for of him not to be able that sort of thing. Just I doesn't don't. happen as often as you like. I mean, you know, they, they, I can't imagine the amount of work there must be just keeping that stuff alive and you know not broken and what have you. I mean, he probably hasn't got time. I can't imagine. Is I it can't all wired in? Either let's ask Kent. Hmm. Is it, is it all wired in? Keeping him alive. Is it all I'm wired sorry. in? Um, yeah. uh, that I cannot tell you okay. actually. Rob. No, no. Some of it is. Well, I, I mean, it was a while since I was in there, but I think. He he just he can just patch things. He'll just plug things in if you ask him. You know, I don't think he's got. I mean, he's got. There's a lot of modular stuff in there. That's all plugged in. Um, but I think I mean, there's just so much stuff. We just I just don't yeah. think it'd be possible to have it all plugged in. No, I mean, how I many? He's got quite a large desk up there, but it need a lot more inputs than that. Yeah. Oh gosh, it's fun yeah. to see though. It's really great fun to see all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, definitely. But yeah, Emis is uh, is a great place because you've got uh, like I say, there's. He's a he's a dope for stockist. I've been meaning to go over there just to get some dope for patch cables and what have you. And uh, you know there aren't many there aren't yeah. many independent music stores around these days. And he's kind of pretty much the epitome of an independent right. music store. He, he absolutely is. And one thing that's quite good about dope for the dope thing he does there is he actually does like a dope for club. And if you become a club member, it's not think it's that expensive. Then you can get the dope for modules at a reduced price. Ah, that's so, interesting. You don't. Yeah, you don't for folk. I would definitely point you towards Emis. Oh, that sounds like a great idea. I'll have to check that out. Right. Um, I think it's probably about time for um, a, a word from our sponsor, if I can get that together. It doesn't seem to, to be <laughs> all, that, <laughs> all that likely, given the uh, amount of technical difficulties I'm having elsewhere. But uh, we'll try it, shall we? Let's just hit the button and see what happens. Ah, I want to say thank you very much to our sponsors, the show sponsors, uh, Yamaha, of course. Uh, one of our have been with us for a very long time, and uh, we've got a new thing to show you. Uh, they've just announced a new version of the Yamaha 01 V96i, which uh, features a, a lot of extra DSP under the hood and a lot of uh, stuff going on there. Uh, 16 in, 16 out USB 2 audio streaming, refined studio quality head amps, which I believe are the same ones that you can find in the new Steinberg audio interfaces, which I know PJ has really been uh, very impressed by. Uh, there's also a full suite of VCM effects, master strip, channel strip, vintage stomp and RevX. These are DSP powered, so they work inside the box uh, and give you a lot of additional um, processing power aside from the usual EQ compressors and dynamics and stuff. Uh, 40 mixing channels, 32 st- mono, 4 stereo, 16 analog, 8 digital inputs, 8 channel ADA, IO as standard, that's not on an expansion card, 8 auxiliary and 8 mix buses, 100mm motorised faders, up to 4 effects simultaneously, 24-bit, 90, uh, 44, 48. Each mono channel gives 4-band EQ, compressor and gate. You get Cubase, AI and advanced door support. You can use it as a control surface if you want. Studio Manager version 2, 0196i cascade link, so you can use 2 together. Uh, and a mini YG DAI expansion slot so you can add extra interface capabilities. And if you're watching the video stream, um, you can see we've created a custom URL uh, that you can click on to find out more about the ONV96i. Uh, that's a bit.ly URL, bit-ly slash 01V96I. So do check that out. And we say thank you very much to uh, Yamaha for their continued sponsorship of the show. Um, we're gonna, I think we might try and get one in and check it out because, as you probably know, I'm a, a fan of Yamaha mixers. I use it here to run the show on, even though um, <coughs> you don't get to see what's going on there. Anyway, I want to say thank you very much once again to Yamaha for the sponsorship of the show. So... <laughs> got a price on that, Nick. Excuse me, a price on it. I don't have one immediately to hand, mm. but I will find one out. Perhaps the chat room will know. Mm. I think they're about two grand, two thousand pounds, mm. I believe. Um, something along those lines. So, I mean, usual sort of standard. I, but I will have to check that. I don't want to be uh, sending out the wrong signals. But yeah, you just head mm. over to your new de- your local dealer and, and uh, go and check it out. Uh, Rob, I think it's probably time you told us a little bit about your uh, your, your purpose for being here because uh, you're running a competition, mm. which I think. Uh, you emailed me to sort of say, could we mention it on the show? And um, so I thought, why the hell not? Okay, well, essentially, um, it kicked off last year. Uh, it was on the Propellerhead forum, the uh, the reason forums that they have on their website. Uh, and I'd just like to point out here, it's not anything to do with the Propellerhead themselves. Um, so this is just me that's running this. And around about the time that Reason 6 was announced and the feature set was, was put out there, the inevitable... Um, uh, I was going to use a term that I probably shouldn't use, but the inevitable argument started on on the forums about, oh, it doesn't have 
VST support. Oh, it doesn't have MIDI out. It doesn't have X, Y, and Z. We've been asking this for ages. Nobody listens. And then, of course, everybody starts arguing. And I, I'm, I'm no, I will jump in there and, and not defend Propellerhead because I really like their stuff. But, you know, I defend the reasoning behind why. Anyway, I got involved with a com- in a conversation with a particular individual who was being very vocal. Um, in his disrespect towards the product. I said, do you know what? It would be great if you focused all that energy and just made some music. Go on, I dare you. Go on, go and make some music. And then I said, why don't we have a bit of a challenge? Let's just stop arguing. Let's just go and make some music. Come back in a couple of weeks, see what we've come up with and, and stop all this, this petty argument. So people went away and um, I set a few rules in place and said, go and make a piece of music. We'll throw all the entries onto SoundCloud. Everybody jumps in votes for their favorite we have a winner there's no prize you just get the uh, the plaudits and the uh, the uh, the comments from your peers and and you have a bit of fun so we did that and we got about a dozen 15 entries which i was uh, pretty pleased with and uh, then i got a, an email from propellerhead saying we really love what you've done probably because i managed to divert a load of flack away from them but we love what you've done here's three copies of the disco refill to give to your winners and i thought wow that's really good so we gave them, and everybody was really, really happy. And then I got to thinking, well, this, this could actually be a regular thing. And I uh, know a lot of small, independent refill developers. I beat the test for a number of them. Jiggery Pokery is one who does some fantastic refills. He, um, he converted all of Hollow Sun's old analog scenes into a refill, so it made me very happy. And so I thought, well, we can, ha- we can use this and promote everyone uh, at the same time so we laid down these challenges i don't like to use the word competition it's a challenge it's uh, it's just you know a way of stretching the musical muscles so we said um in the space of say two or three weeks come up with a piece of music using just a small demo refill of a particular library so um matt at jiggery pokery supplied me with uh, a demo refill and everybody downloaded that and went off and made some music and I thought, wouldn't it be great if we actually got somebody worthwhile, you know, to judge it rather than just, you know, put it out there. And I just got an email from a guy called Mark Reader, who uh, not a lot of people have probably heard of, but he's pretty uh, influential in the business. He, he had a, a record company out in Berlin. He used to work for Factory Records, then uh, started doing things with, with the trance music scene in Berlin. Um, and there's, yeah. Just a really, you know, really nice guy. And he just released an album uh, of remixes in, in surround sound. And we'd been banging some stuff backwards and forwards. And I said, hey, would you like to judge my competition? He said, yeah, I'd love to. So got him on board. And of course, everybody got infused by that. So it went down really well. And then we uh, got a winner. And then we did it again with the uh, Bitly uh, library, the uh, the Fairlight refill uh-huh. library. And we got Martin Ware from Heaven 17 oh, nice. um, and of Human League. And I so I just I'd struck up a dialogue with him. And uh, the, the whole thing that I do is I'm a blagger. Uh, I don't make any bones about it. I, um, you know, I send emails to people and say, would you mind doing this? Could you do this? Can you give me this? And a lot of the time, these, these people do. And Martin was really, really generous with his time. And he judged the competition. Of course, everybody got really excited about that. So... Um, we knocked it on the head at the end of the year. We had some really good feedback, lots of ideas what we should do this time. And then um, Propellerhead did a, a remix competition with Olivia Broadfield. So we've waited until that's been uh, done and dusted. And we're about to launch the new series of challenges over at the, the, the Props Forum. And this time, the themes that we have, we have one running theme with the judges because uh, everyone that you see here on your screen, and hopefully Nick's going to take up the, uh, the challenge as well, uh, is going to be a judge of one of the competitions or challenges uh, across the year. So Gaz is very gracious, graciously agreed to do so. So has Richard, um, and so has Dave Spears, who is going to be our first judge uh, for this competition uh, this time round. I've also got lined up Mark Doty, uh, also a game oh, yeah. guy uh, from Moog. Uh, he's going to be doing one. Hopefully Tara Bush will be doing one as so well. So how often are you running so these got, then? Oh, how, how, what's the frequency of the competition? How does it work? Uh, it, you know, I normally give the guys two, three weeks to come up with a piece, and then we give the judges a couple of weeks max, uh, or, or more if they need it, uh, to, to judge it. So we probably run them maybe every six to eight weeks. So not too, not too infrequent, not too frequent. We don't want to burn these people out. So um, yeah, uh, and we're really excited about it. You know, the, the, 
then it just turned out that this now seems to be a whole kind of Sonic State theme with the uh, the judges, which is really nice as well. Excellent. Well, we'll look forward to that. When's so? When's the opening and closing for the next one going to be? Right. The the first uh, challenge um, will uh, start this Friday. Um, all the details will go onto the Propellerheads user forum uh, over at propellerheads.se. Um, so if you're a registered reason user, uh, if you go along to there, we are going to be using this time uh, a refill by a guy called Tom Pritchard uh, from Tom Pritchard's fan design dot com. Uh, he's done a refill called Vast and it, pre- it pretty much is. It uses their Thor synthesizer really, really well. So we're going to be using that as our um, canvas. And if you uh, check out the Propellerheads uh, forum on Friday and also my blog, which is feldmuso.com forward slash blog, all the details will be on there in terms of uh, the timeframes. And Dave Spears uh, from G4 Software and of this parish as well uh, will be our first guest judge. And um, I'm absolutely made up about that. So uh, there you go. Excellent. It's announced. It's out there. Okay, well, we'll put links in the show notes to everything because um, my browser's crashed and every time I launch it, it causes Skype <laughs> to not work. So it's kind of, I'll tell you what it is. It's almost like my eight core Mac has lost half its cores and just cannot process stuff fast enough which is obviously a little bit concerning if that was the case but uh, we'll just have to it's really weird it's a you know it just seems to kind of run out of juice whereas it didn't before so i think maybe the move caused something to be loosened and i have to go reseat some memory chips and what have you i don't know maybe something like that <laughs> so um Thank you very much for that, Rob. I think we're going to uh, oh, we're going to look at. Um, should we have a look at the audio GL things? Everyone want to see that because that's another that's an interesting. thing. we have looked at it before, but um, this, there's a sort of new aspect to it. So here it comes. About the history and development of AudioGL, um, I am an independent developer and I've been working on AudioGL for three years now. And the release schedule is that I want to release AudioGL for PC at the end of 2012 and I'm going to release the Mac version of AudioGL in the first quarter of 2013. Now there's still a lot of work that needs to be done and in order to make it to the next year what I've decided to do is to start a crowdfunding campaign. Now the idea here is that you can go down to audiogl.com and you can read up what I've written there. And if you want to contribute a small amount to the project, um, you can use that as a discount later on when the software is released. And if you want to contribute a larger amount, then you can just go ahead and pre-order the software. Uh, The bottom line here is that uh, the sooner I can get the uh, campaign funded, the sooner that I can get back to work and get this show on the road. So if you do end Right, I'm going to stop there. Um, quite an interesting... I mean, we've seen AudioGL before. It's got this amazing three-dimensional composition environment, which looks, in the hands of someone who knows what they're doing, like, um, like a great way to work, but to, perhaps to someone who has absolutely no concept of how it might work, uh, a fairly daunting environment. Gaz, you looked the most excited when this came up, so I think you should, uh, oh, you should step yeah. in. <laughs> well, I mean... You know, this is a crowdsourcing sort of plea in a way, isn't it? That, yeah. that, that he's looking to try and get people to donate to it. And it's an interesting sort of business model there, isn't it? That if you donate a certain amount of money to it, then that'll actually count as a discount to off the software once it's actually ready. So it seems like a good idea. Well, it's so interesting because, I mean, you know, it, it looks... There are lots of, I mean, certainly the chat room seems to be quite excited by the the, the principle, you know, the principle of it. There are people are saying, "Yeah, I'd love to contribute," love to, mm. but it still seems to only mm. have raised about three thousand dollars so far. They're looking for about thirty grand, which which sounds like an enormous yeah. amount when you kind of say only that so far. But I mean, I, I think I'm going to contribute just because it looks like a worthy project and something perhaps. Ah. The, the thing that's, that's inter- that I find interesting about it is the fact that it might not necessarily be the perfect compositional environment, but it does look like the sort of thing that once you had created something you could control uh, with with other you know, maybe more touch like ipad ios devices to kind of get the most out of the performance aspect so that's what i find quite exciting as a possibility and the, well, and the sounds yeah. of it and the modulation is is yeah. legion isn't it i mean it really is oh, astonishing it's incredible. i mean i think this is the thing about it when you sort of look at it first you think 
oh my goodness, this is just the most complicated. How the hell are you going to be able to sort of navigate around that? And and it all seems, you know, really, you know, like well, like we were talking about with that other synthesizer earlier, and then this one by a factor of 100, you know, such a kind of complicated interface. Yet, when you actually start to kind of get what it's all about, then it's actually a fantastic idea. And I, I'm sure many of us have wondered how on earth can we integrate like three-dimensional graphics into you know music software which has been resoutly two-dimensional hasn't it you know we kind of we've been stuck in 2d really for a long time mm. and uh and i think it's quite difficult to sort of uh visualize or, or to try and work out how you can actually use 3d but then you see with this which is really cool and if you start it from scratch and you just literally put an oscillator like he does in the video like an oscillator and uh like an envelope or and an, amp, an amplifier and they're just like just three objects there and then once you start to sort of plot automations and that those then move along the the third dimension you know along then it actually all really makes a lot of sense um in an earlier video he did that incredible piece of music and it was all from one oscillator just you just using that's right yeah extremely complex amount of automations and i think that maybe using this like kind of three-dimensional paradigm and you know enables a new depth of uh you know composition and uh ah i mean this is really possibly the most exciting piece of software i've ever seen and the guy he's a wizard obviously because he's designed it and he's kind of going oh well this is a real simple thing and you're thinking whoa wait a minute run that by me again (laughs) that's not at all simple (laughs) yeah but but i mean he just he's just zooming around it and i mean it looks very responsive doesn't it i mean that's the thing if it was kind of juddery as he's kind of navigating it then you'd think mm. but it's all very it's all very slippy i mean i wonder is using the sort of graphics cards acceleration maybe for sort i of, think that um, might, i mean audio gl does rather kind of uh, mm, imply that that it, might it be the case like that, because there's a whole yeah there's a whole i mean there is in fact a whole lot of uh uh, new technology, which is starting to use the graphics processors in uh, some of the higher-end graphics cards, because they are really yes. fast. Obviously, they have to be because they got yeah. fast. And they're, they're, there's, um, I, I was talking to a coder who was looking into that himself and the ways of using the pro- the extra processing. There, so maybe that's what's going on. I don't know. Um, mm. Do you think this is perhaps a precursor to you know? I mean, maybe not the the final product when it comes to three D working. But perhaps a kind of stepping stone. I mean, now, Rich, do, do, do you visit? I mean, obviously, I can see that it works very well for Gaz in terms of the way he visualizes. Did it? Did it affect you in the same way? Looks like a very interesting creative environment to me. Mm. Um, I'm not as convinced of the value. I like the 3D. Don't get me wrong. But even he when he wants to edit any of that stuff that he's showing you in 3D, which it is admittedly gorgeous to look at and interesting to see the modulations going as a timeline into the, you know. But as soon as you want to edit it, he brings you into a flat 2D environment, which is a beautiful place to edit it. And it seems to be very tightly integrated and everything else. But in other words, I'm not sure how much the 3D is giving me in the experience, but I don't mind it, and I actually kind of like it. Mm. Well, I, think I think Gaz thinks it's yeah. adding creativity for it. Well, I mean, I think just uh, I think that's a really good point there because you know, you know, it does like with the sequencer, it just kind of comes up as a sort of like a piano roll, a two D piano roll. But I guess once you've got many, 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 many layers of automation, then displaying that, just having to scroll through pages and pages in the two dimensional sense. You know, it would just become quite laborious. But to be able to then plot everything in that three-dimensional way, I think, I think possibly when it comes to just lots of automation, that's where that sort of. Well, the thing the thing that struck me of me is like he's going. I'm just going to go in and automate the sequence, and he had to sort. He brought in, and it was a, a, some sort of plane, and he had to level it up and get it all flat before he could get in. And I just thought, well, that's a waste of mouse clicks right <laughs> there. But you know, but it looks nice. Well, and I will, I'll say. On the bigger level, too, of the construction of the piece and the way the different modules lay out around a mixer and everything, it is, again, it's very interesting to me because it doesn't start from a traditional gear paradigm in terms of the way these things have to... The the theories are the same. You still have to mix signals together in order to create an output that contains them all. But beyond that, 
they're not thinking about a room with a two-inch machine and a console and an analog synthesizer with a couple of albums. They're not thinking, you know, in guitar pedals. They're completely coming at it from a different angle creatively, yeah. and I think that's kind of cool. He's kind of saying, isn't it? It's absolutely limitless in terms of like LFOs, modulations. Everything is is has no limit at all. Mm. Right. Well, uh, guess, up to process, the limits of your CPU, etc. But but okay. uh. I mean, you know, and these have been on some level or another. I'm not going to in any way seek to denigrate this guy because I think it's great. Um, but it goes back to like TurboSynth for me, which was what, 1989, mm. where you could actually, uh, it was a piece of DigiDesign software. Yeah, I think it was originally, wasn't and, it? Yeah. Uh, and you used to be able to drag out modules, oscillators, filters, mixers, and you could create on the screen your own kind of synthesis flow. And and they were using more traditional paradigms like oscillators with square waves and sawtooths and things of that nature, whereas this guy's dragging out whole, you know, pieces of music, it seems, that you can then go into and and work on. And I wonder about the creating of those. I haven't seen him do that. I haven't really seen how he creates those and the degree to which we could create those. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, a, there I, is an, there's an element of kind of this guy really knows how to drive it, so it looks easy. I don't know, Rob, I don't know what you use in terms of your creative sort of environment. Um, does it does it bear any kind of... Well, I mean, obviously, reason you use, but um, does this... Would, would something like this interest you? It, it looks gorgeous, um, and that, that's the first thing. You know, you look at it and you think, whoa, you, know, you want to dive in. Um, it looked to me like it had elements of, like, React Table and Plog Bidule and all these little different things where you could drag lines, and it did look very complex, and I, I see where Gans is coming from, the three-dimensional thing, because it then makes things easier to, to find or to, to delve into. I'm all for something new to make make sounds with to make music with and i think that if you are wired in your head in that way it, you, it's going to be that uh, that eureka moment you think this is it this is this is a bit of of kit that's going to allow me to get out from what's in here on uh, into into music um did look very complicated um maybe not something i would personally use but hey you know it's um it looked it looked pretty um and if there was a touch element because um, I'm a big uh, iPad fan user. Uh, if if that was brought into it, that would then pique my interest a bit more. Uh, I do like that aspect. Um, and who knows? I mean, maybe there'll be a, an iPad version. Um, well, that's actually interesting because I mean, I think you know, if he's having trouble raising cash, yeah. you know, maybe the thing to do would be to actually do an iPad app to just get the get the brand out there you know on a yeah. very simple level because you've got all the yeah. tilt pinch and you know all of that stuff and that might be yeah. a lot easier to to generate interest perhaps i don't know can it i just say fair, like? yeah I, the thing is uh, it does sound good though i really like the yeah sound there is definitely the an aspect it's just an, ooh, it's kind of i mean it's digital it's very it? now it's isn't it i mean it, uh, whether yeah. or not it'll be it'll be now then, if you see what I mean, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> now then, now then. Yes, now then. <laughs> yeah. It's ah. a shame though that he's only raised like ten percent of the funds mm. that he needs. But with a bit of exposure like this, you know, uh, if if everyone in the chat room says they're going to oh, donate, let's um, all take a few quid in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see where are we going? It's uh, audio. Is it audio GL? I have, my browser's dead, so I'm, unfortunately, I've just kind of. It's really. <laughs> I've had to. I, I can't operate everything at the same time, so I'm operating. operating turbo brain. Turbo brain. Nothing. Yeah. If anyone I in the chat room can get it. Out, the turbo brain. Here you go. There's something in the. Oh, here we go. go. IRC. Uh, let me get that in there. Uh, uh, no, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for that one. Oh man, let's get it. There we go. Can put the link up here? There. There's the link. There we are. So uh, I think there's another one, which I think might be audiogl.com, which uh, is a bit shorter on the uh, uh, on, on the eye, as it were. Um, but yeah, uh, great stuff. I can't help but think that, you know, I mean, we say that uh, whether it allow us to get creativity out there, but to me, I mean, I remember trying to work in 3D when I was, uh, you know, doing multimedia and, and what have you. I might have mentioned it before, where you've got to kind of move the workspace around so you can see it from all different angles to make sure you've got your extrusions right. I mean, that is a real head headspace killer. I mean, it's a, so, I mean, I can't see how this is going to be uh, releasing my left brain, right brain kind of scenario. So I've got, I can just have the music flow out of me in a kind of, in a, in a, in a, 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 a sort of effortless fashion, but interesting nonetheless. Um, 
But speaking, I mean, this is one thing. That I guess the this other topic that I, I was interested in. Um, this is something that kind of takes it away from that. And um, let's just let me just see if I can play this without messing it up. because I think I might play out with some of that. But that was awesome. That's by somebody called, now, if I can pronounce oh. Clear Factor, spelt K-L-I-R-R-F-A-K-T-O-R. And uh, it's called Crouch Step. And uh, he says uh, it was very angry about the way the politicians are messing everything up. And he made this. Uh, now, once again, I, my browser is not uh, available for me to show you uh, his setup again. But what it did for me, you know, we often see these amazing modular setups and this all this sort of gear, and, and, and but very rarely do we hear anything particularly musical out of it. And I just thought that was an absolutely outstanding example of a hugely complicated modular setup doing something musical, uh, doing a lot of things musical. In fact, um, let me just uh, say, what, what was that? The beats were the MFB Schlazwerg, which I think is a little uh, drum machine module, Electroharmonics Metal Muff, Dope for A160A, Art Pro Channel, uh, and the lead, which was the Pittsburgh Generator, which is, uh, I th have I got one of those there? Yes, we've got one here. I think I did a review on it earlier. And, uh, so it's good to see that stuff, you know, that you can get very scientific about actually making some musical sounds. I know, did it, uh, I saw, Gaz, you were nodding away there. In fact, everybody was nodding away. I would have switched to it to see everybody yeah. nodding, but unfortunately it would kill the video. So tell me, Gaz, um, mm -hmm. this, is, this is encouraging, right? This, is, this means it must be possible to do great things with a modular. If you just knock that together, I mean, <laughs> I don't know how he'd ever recall it. You'd have to record it, obviously, in, uh, in segments, or maybe he just lives for the moment. What do you think? Yeah, I guess. I mean, um exciting though it does sound good though doesn't it i really enjoyed the sound of it i thought um you know i like the fact that he's angry i like the fact that he's kind of <laughs> yeah. you know i haven't heard political sort of political electro synth music before. <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah uh yeah. <laughs> what more can I say about yeah? D um, I, like I don't know whether or not he was using a uh, a sequencer uh, along with that. It looked like I couldn't quite tell what was going on underneath there because there was obviously some switching and muting and stuff, and a lot of stuff going on in the uh, in the analog domain as well as uh, what else he was using. A make noise maths, uh, bubble sound, ULFO, weapons of mass destruction, gamma gamma wave source. These are all sort of names that I, I'm familiar with. Haven't had a chance to check out. Um, Rob, are you? Do you have any modular stuff in your own kind of arsenal? I mean, is it something that you've uh, you've you lust after seeing something like this? Surely, how could you not? Yeah, it's like Gaz yeah, said, it sounds great. And uh, no modular stuff. No, I, I have never owned modular stuff. I've never really had a desire to own modular stuff. Although I love looking at it and I love the sounds it makes. And as you said, there's not a huge amount of musical stuff that you hear nowadays. Uh, I think. Those days are long gone, unfortunately, but uh, that was uh, an exception to the rule. Um, health and safety to have a field day in that place, wouldn't they? I think they probably All those would. cables, wires. Yeah, well, fortunately, they're not holding, <laughs> no, they're not yeah, holding too yeah. many high voltage. I think five volts maximum, probably, plus or minus on, on a lot of those. So hopefully not too much danger in the air there. But uh, yes, I take your point uh, completely. I know, Rich, I, I think you appreciate this. I saw a bit of nodding going on there as well. It was, uh, and there's a lot, there's things there. I'd want to check out this MFB stuff. It's, it's very low cost and it sounds to me, like it's got a certain something that I, I, I feel I want a piece of. Well, it sounded great. It would be funny in a video to cut to his electric meter like spinning out of control <laughs> during the middle of the just because of all the wires you're seeing, and it would support the whole visual impression. 
of some sort of you know power station. But uh, it, it's. I thought the guy's work was great. I'm wondering what that central controller was that he uses to trigger the sequences on and off, and had like various touch things on the left. And it was, he was quite, uh, quite comfortable with the rig as an instrument, and was able to evoke a lot of really cool stuff. Obviously, had done a lot of preparation in order to get that stuff, but seemed uh, comfortable within it too modifying things and reaching for things and it just it all i thought it was fun i shared it with people on my facebook um i i don't know i i just i, I loved it i think it was and it, it really it just felt really good and it was nice to have some what is clearly just electronics feeling so kind of groovy and noddy and that sort of density to it i mean you probably wouldn't pick that up over sky but if you listen to it um you know in high quality on uh, youtube it definitely has uh some lovely sonic quality to it and the guy's got, you know, got a good ear. But um, it just made me sort of feel like, ah, oh, isn't that marvellous? Um, <laughs> right. Uh, let me see now. Um, we've probably got time for very quick, uh, a quick one. Let's see. Um, do we want to have a look at the fundamentals of synthesizer programming? Um, or Yes, okay, let's that, have a look. That's, yes. <laughs> we do. Right, I'll put that on now then. Hello, welcome to the first in a series of videos on the fundamentals of synthesizer programming. My name is Dr. Joseph Aiken, and I'm a professor at the Department of Recording Industry at Middle Tennessee State University, where I teach music, MIDI, and synthesis. I won't play the whole thing because it does look rather like the uh, audio and video a bit out of delay there. But this is through Moog Music, Inc., uh, Dr. Joseph Atkins' five-part series on the fundamentals of synthesizer programming. Uh, and he's basically just he's using a Voyager, which is no doubt why uh, Moog was so interested in having him uh, uh, do his thing. But uh, these things, it seems like there isn't – is there is there a definitive one? I mean, is this the definitive one? It's hard to tell because it's just one of the many pieces. But the, he's kind of – do we need it? Do we need this level of uh, of of, uh, of of tuition, or is it uh, is it something that you can get elsewhere? Um, I don't know. Is there a definitive one, Gaz? I'm going to go to you first because I'm running out of things to say. <laughs> <laughs> this is very basic. It's very very basic. It's a very very introductory sort of step to this kind of stuff, which is good. You know, which is good. So I mean, the fact that sort of uh, Moog or Mo will be uh, promoting it, you know, is good because you know for a lot of people. You know, we take it for granted in a way that lots of the kind of terminology and and jargon, we just know it. So, but you know, just to take things right back to basics, always brilliant, really. Uh, I think, um, you know, partly why I've, I set this up today uh, for the show, the, the, the guy uh, in relation to this particular article, because I think that um, synthesis, you know, when you actually break it down to very into that very basic, uh, in in the in the case of the video, he's saying we've got source and modulation and control, mm. and 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 that everything everything can be everything within synthesis can be sort of put into one of those three categories, and um, and when you keep it simple, and then you kind of show how the signal flow works uh you know it's really cool i mean this is um i think for a lot of people maybe who haven't had their hands on analog synthesis and, and been using um uh, vsd stuff or whatever and that can be, it can be very complicated and uh you know and when you're using lots of presets it's like whoa people don't have any idea what's going on <laughs> stuff, stuff is, but, yeah. yeah um you know and Myself included, you know, I've always been really interested in synthesizers, but not really getting it that well, understanding it very well. And I have to say that in, really until I, until I got my gear, a lot of the things that I'd had before had sort of obfuscated. I would just say the word. Obfuscated. Obfuscated. The kind of the, the, the process and what's really good about the, the Gaia is the Gaia is a really good learning synthesizer yeah I mean it's, it, it's, it's, it's every, very simple sequential yes, laid I out. agree with that yeah and then but you know it was quite nice then after you've kind of figured out the basics you can actually do some pretty complex stuff with it which is really cool um, and it is very satisfying isn't it when you build something from scratch I mean 
you know, an understanding. I'm sorry, this is real basic for all of you kind of super synthesists out there, but I think, um, you know, when you piece together something and you and you manage to sort of really understand it, fundamentally understand it, then it's very, very pleasing. It's a very pleasing and very enjoyable process. So, yeah, so I'm really up for this kind of bringing it back, back to real basic kind of, it really worked for me. And uh, watching that video reminded me of that sort of process. How important so, that is. Yeah. yeah, I hope that, yeah. I know, Rich, are you kind of... I wonder, I mean, I don't know whether there is a definitive guide or whether there's a kind of uh, a place that you would go. I mean, this is a good, I guess this is as good a start as any. And he's uh, obviously clearly well qualified and has lots of access to lots of nice kit. So <laughs> why ever not? Right. I've, I've, you know, it's part one of a five video series that seeks to call itself an introduction. Mm. So if the five video series is an introduction and this is part one, makes all the sense in the world to me. He's, uh, He's got a lot of good information. I thought it was presented in a pretty good order in general, differentiating signal from control right away, setting up the paradigm for analog synth understanding. It makes sense to me. Um, he's good, you know. Yeah. Is that, I mean, is, is there a, so are there, I mean, is there, a, is there a kind of definitive uh, reference manual or whatever for this kind of thing that you've come across in the I, past? I'll tell you what I used I, back in my day. Uh, we use the ARP 2600 owner's manual, which I still have a copy of. Oh. That's that's what I learned synthesis from, the, really. The mini move manual is a great manual as well, actually. That's what really I learned it from, I think. Uh, okay. okay. I've not, I don't remember that one, but I do remember mm. that the ARP 2600 manual, which, as I said, I have somewhere in a box still, uh, went over the basics and explained the fundamentals fairly clearly. And then when you looked at this panel of a 2600, you kind of went, oh, yeah, I can see where they're coming from here. I understand. And then um, I had already, I think I'd seen a Minimoog and an EML 101 by then, interestingly. But what really cemented it for me in print was the ARP 2600 owner's manual. Mm. Well, I've, yes, I still haven't spent much time in art choices. What about you, Rob? I mean, where did you cut? Did you pick it up yourself or did you have some learning? You know, how, how, how does it work for you? Um, I, I reverse engineered stuff. I, I came into, I mean, I'd always been into electronic music and I always used to like the SH-101 because that was laid out in a similar fashion in that everything kind of went left to right and it was just like, oh, that works. I see how that works now. But um, I... Yeah, I really think that you need to understand the absolute basics of how you make uh, sound electronically to then to get the benefit later on and to, and to get that, what Gaz said, you know, that feeling of uh, accomplishment of uh, stuff. And I, I'm, I'm a trainer by profession, so anything that teaches people stuff and improves their knowledge, I, I love. And I, I like this. Um, what it reminded me of, um, not in the video, uh, video sense, was um, Alesis when the Fusion was still um, uh, a thing uh, that you could buy. Uh, Steve Howell from, from Hollow Sun um, produced a set of guides, um, and there was about half a dozen. There was uh, uh, One was Introduction to Analog Synthesis, and oh, yeah. Steve is just an absolute genius when it comes to this, this sort of stuff. I mean, he's taught it, he's used it, he uses it all the time, and he wrote this really, really well written easy to understand guide uh on introduction to analog synthesis and then he used that to uh translate that into how you can create uh va patches on the fusion and there was also an introduction to sampling as well which is his big forte and you can still get them i i, I went and found them to just when i saw the show you can still get them it's uh, elisis.com forward slash fusion and then if you go to the uh, the da documents and downloads section there's a fusion tutorial pack and it's free it's, there's three meg in a zip file of PDF files, well worth looking at. But yeah, anything yeah. that teaches people how to get the basics down um, is is brilliant. And then beyond the basics, I mean, everyone probably knows this, but just worth um, jumping in on is the uh, synthesis secrets uh, on Sound on Sound, which is a long-running oh, yeah. Gordon Reed feature. Yeah, uh, which is all. I think everything. I think it's all entirely still online there, and is a yeah. ex excellent. But I mean, that is a bit more advanced and gets very yeah. advanced at times. And Steve, Steve did one on sampling as well for sound on sound in a kind of uh, uh. the project. So yeah, if you, you if you really want to get into sampling and proper sampling, you know, not 
none of this stuff where you've got gigabytes and gigabytes of space and you just press a note and you hold it and that you don't do any editing you know sampling today is just bonkers you can get into one megabyte what some people put in into one gigabyte and it still sounds as good well and also sampling has become Mm -hmm. much more reliant on synthesis techniques to get more out of it i mean you know Mm. know, there's all sorts i mean you know granular synthesis itself is based on the whole kind of beginnings of of, uh, of of accessing sample man and what have you, and and I suppose mm. it always has been, but now we've just with the sort of speed and complexity that these kind of various people are coming up with fantastic algorithms, they just do all sorts of in, really interesting stuff. I mean, mm. there is no, there's nothing that really beats just getting in there and 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 messing around. But you do, I agree, you do have to have a grasp of the the fundamentals really for that to make any sense, right? Well, I, I think. For me, coming back to the Gaia moment, it's just um, uh, quite often when I'm working on something and then say the say there's a need for a little some form of synthesizer kind of stuff, uh, but maybe like a sound effect or something. Um, once I started using the Gaia, I realized I could get that sound incredibly quickly. Mm. Uh, if I was using um, soft synth, I would just, oh, I'd find it, like, I mean, soft synths are wonderful, absolutely wonderful, but th- th- that process of, like, say, maybe, like, maybe if you just wanted to just do, like, a like a pitch drop, just a boo sort of sound, you know? I mean, on the guy, I mean, literally, I can sort of go, can you hear that? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I can just go envelope there. Um, <laughs> you know, you're done, like, yeah. You know, um, I mean, that was pretty bad. <laughs> but yeah, no, but I, I, t- I take your point. I mean, and that, uh, you know, but the thing is, is if you haven't got your instantiated, then you, I mean, the thing is, is it's you, as we know, you, once you get into the kind of IT aspect of music technology, you know, it's like, oh, I'm just going to fire that up and use it. And it's like, oh, no, uh, that was working yesterday. And uh, where's my man? You know, it's just, it breaks the immediacy. You know, we've, we've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. It's like the whole idea of the sort of synapse to end of fingertips to, to kind of result is, much a much shorter journey with hardware mm. as we know yes <laughs> anyway um that was uh that was the first one of the uh of the series uh hopefully there'll be a whole bunch more i mean it's great that moog are behind it i mean moog are doing some some good things at the moment so it's it's nice to have them putting some stuff into the basics of synthesis because i mean their most of their synthesizers are pretty fundamentally sort of fairly straightforward subtractive synthesizers so you know you've got you, you need to have a grasp of it really to get an idea of what they can do and uh, i think i mean i reviewed the slim fatty last summer or whatever and you know, once you get into the whole cross-modulation thing, and all of it, there's all sorts of really quite powerful things that you can op- open up and explore, even with a simple synthesizer like that. So it makes perfect sense for me to get behind it. Um, I think now um, we we seem to be uh, we seem to have reached perhaps the end of the show for me because uh, I, I can't take any more technical problems and I seem to be struck by them. I have I've just had a thought that what it might be is the sound card where that I'm taking out from the Skype feed might have come loose so the clocking's kind of kicking in and out a lot and that's that's the thing i'm going to explore i might try and move that into an analog uh signal so that it's it doesn't uh, cause any click but all i can say is i'm ever so sorry for the uh <laughs> for all of the technical difficulties i believe me want them to go away more than anybody else because then i could just concentrate on hosting the show so um uh, thank you very much for everybody joining us thank you uh, all in the chat room it's been a great fulsome chat room uh and uh, you'll obviously see this on youtube because uh, i try and record the stream and it'll be in all good mp3 outlets uh, we're still waiting for soundcloud to uh to give us um a, a way of importing all the previous shows and then hopefully we can put everything on soundcloud and it can all be commented and, and brilliant and uh, so i'm really looking forward to that uh, but another piece of news is we also got made into a youtube partner last week which um, i think means something it means we can do poster frames of our own kind so uh, and various other things and they tell us make a fortune but i doubt very much if that's actually going to happen but uh, anything that drops a drop in the ocean is always good particularly when you've got a wonderful new studio like we have here um all behind me not in red today the heater went back because it's now quite warm 
<laughs> but anyway, I want to say thank you very much to all my guests. I'll say uh, thank you to Rob Pericelli, for, a.k.a. Failed Muso, uh, failedmuso, failedmuso.com. Go and check it out. And do check out the uh, upcoming Reason Songwriting Challenge. Uh, I think the first one of the year starts on Friday. So uh, I think, Friday, I think yeah. Rob will supply us with some links and we can show you where all of that stuff is if you check the show notes. So thank you very much, Rob, for joining us. It's been a pleasure to have you aboard. Maybe we'll have you again if you're available on Wednesdays. I would love it. Absolutely love it. Thank you for having me. You're more than welcome. And now I also say thank you very much to Gaz Williams there. Uh, hold on, I'll try that again. Thank you very much, Gaz. God thank damn. you. Thank you. Gaz Williams, there we go. You'll have to pop over because you can come over and we'll do another um, iPad show and uh, in the new space. And, uh, yes, I'm looking mm. forward to that. I haven't had any visitors yet, apart from delivery men yeah. who keep walking in, and I've now put a lock on the door so that, uh, that we can't that can't happen anymore. But thank you very much, Gaz. Uh, always a pleasure to have you aboard. Songsurgeon.co.uk. And, of course, Mr. Rich Hilton of Hiltonius.com. Uh, no doubt off to make some hit records with Nile Rodgers' uh, with a, there's probably a speed a, a car a speed a fast car with its engine running waiting outside to whisk you away no doubt actually no there's a prius ah <laughs> well they can a hybrid downstairs in my garage they could go fast well i hope it's charged up <laughs> <Or> for garage <laughs> garage yes that's right anyway thank garage. you very much rich thank you very much everybody in the chat room i uh, very much appreciate your uh continued uh help with the show and uh off to watch the second iPad show mechanic. Ah, oh, well, I hope you enjoy it. Thank you very much. And um, we will endeavour. Maybe what we should do is uh, try. I'll try and get a bit of a debugging session uh, in and on before the next week's show, so that we don't have any of this uh, nonsense. Because it's it's uh, terribly frustrating for everybody, I'm sure. So I'm going to play out with a bit more of um, the clear factor. Uh, let me see, where is he? Well, I need to know which video it is. Video 4, because I just think that's absolutely awesome piece of music. So, once again, we want to say thank you very much. Um, that was Sonic Talk number 255. <laughs>